Hi, and welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fetterman. Guys, it is the 100th episode right now, as we're talking. Uh, technically, it's like the 105th, but some of the first few guest episodes came out midweek and were uh, not numbered, which I did for a reason at the time. But the point is, this is number 100. Those are considered specials. Uh, the 100 episodes is a milestone. Um, you'd think I'd be better at this uh, or would have built an audience and, and neither of those things has happened but I still keep plugging away I originally started this uh, during kind of the depths of, of lockdown just to not go crazy and uh, I guess not going crazy is the main reason I'm still doing it 100 episodes later uh I'm doing my best. Who knows? We're we're 100 in. Sooner or later, I'll figure out a premise for this show. And that will be exciting when it happens. Um, you know, he, the uh, obviously the thing you'd think I was going to talk about would be uh, uh, Ant-Man 3, which I saw on Friday. Um, I have some other things to get to this week. And I am going to guest on a different podcast to talk about it in a couple days. And I will let you know where you can hear that. But they, they get the first scoop. Uh, but I will talk about it next week. Uh, I will say I basically loved it. Uh, I, I miss Ant-Man doing fun heist stuff. But if you have to do a weird parallel dimension story, this is about as much fun as you can have doing it. Uh, uh Loved it. Had a blast. I could talk for an hour about MODOK, and I will next week. Or on this other podcast where I'm appearing. Uh, also, they apparently want to ask me about the the news that... Uh, this is the kind of thing that when you're me, a lot of people will, will send to you. Because uh, the director of Crank... Uh, was, it was announced that he is rebooting the Hellboy franchise. And... Uh, if there's two things I like talking about, it's Hellboy and Crank. And uh, I have thoughts. They are all enthusiastic. It's a weird mix. It's a tonal mismatch. But I think Brian Taylor can do stuff he hasn't done before, and the story he's chosen makes me think he's trying to stretch. Um, if I don't talk about it on that other podcast, I will talk about it next week here. I'll talk about it next week here either way. It's exciting. Um, also, as long as I'm talking about things I'll talk about on other podcasts. I am the once again the guest on the recently released episode of Chapter Surfing. Uh, a friend of the show, Lenny Burnham, hosts that. Uh, it's about uh, books that have been turned into TV shows, and uh, he will frequently have good, good guests on and sometimes talk about highbrow things. Um, this is my third appearance, and twice it's been comics. And once was Justified and the work of Elmore Leonard. I know my lane, baby. Uh, but this one, I really recommend checking out. It is, it's Doom Patrol. We watched the first season of the show and read uh, uh, the Grant Morrison Collection, Volume 1, uh, which I think covers 19, issues 19 through 34 of Doom Patrol, Volume 2. Um, it's what the first series is largely based on. And... Uh, Guys, I talk so much about Doom Patrol. Lenny was very nice to just let me go on. Uh, 
And you know how much I love Doom Patrol, but I even get into some things. I talk about which which comics were responsible for changing my politics in the 90s. And uh, <laughs> I might also admit to a fetish that I would not discuss on this show. Because frankly, that's none of your business. But it came up semi-organically there. Uh, don't seek it out for that purposes. It will only disappoint you. But uh, check that out. Chapter surfing. It was great. It was fun. Um, it was the longest anybody's let me talk about Doom Patrol. It felt good. Um, so hey, for the 100th episode, I thought what would be fun, and uh, I mentioned last week my friend Becky had a really good pitch that uh, we will get to in the future. It's a much longer uh, process than you might think, but I will be looking at it a little bit because I am doing 10 top 10 lists. 10 times 10, 100. Uh, and I, they're not going to be be sweeping top 10 lists. I'm not, not going to do my favorite movies or my favorite TV shows of all time. These are going to be smaller, uh, possibly so hyper-focused as to be nonsense, but they'll be fun and they were something for me to do when I was having a bad time at work. Uh, so let's jump right into it. I'm not going to discuss every entry on every list individually, but who knows? Maybe I will, and this episode will run long. You can look at your your player right now and see if that happened. Uh, first off, I did video game franchises, my top 10. Um, and now these are not necessarily 1 through 10 unless I am... Uh, Unless I, I specify otherwise, I usually will try to put my favorite at the top, but it, it doesn't really matter to anybody if something is my sixth or my seventh favorite, you know? But uh, video game franchises, obviously, number one is Mario. Um, I love Mario Brothers. I love uh, the spinoffs. Um, I played most of the mainline Mario games. Um, I'm including Mario Kart in that. Mario Kart is great. And every time a new one comes out, or one that I missed because it came out when I didn't have a Nintendo system and they, they remaster it for Switch, I snap it up, I play through it, I have a great time. I'm looking forward to the movie. Man, I love Mario. Uh, Legend of Zelda. That's another one. I've got big gaps in my Legend of Zelda knowledge. Um, I'm filling them in a little with the, the virtual console and some of the re-releases. But after, after A Link to the Past, which came out in, I believe, 91, I did not play another Zelda game until <laughs> Breath of the Wild in 2017. Partly because Link to the Past is one of my favorite games ever. And after playing it so much, I sort of thought, like, well, they're not going to do better than this. And then uh, uh, Breath of the Wild is a, like a genuine masterpiece. And I'm excited for Tears of the Kingdom in a couple months. Uh, then Mass Effect. I don't know if I've talked about Mass Effect. That's the big story-based sci-fi game. The trilogy runs you about 100 hours, and there's the the uh, uh, Andromeda, which isn't great, but I came back to it, and it's better than I remember it being. But I love those characters so much. I love the interactions. I love the story. I'm so excited that they're coming out with another one. Uh, which presumably will be set hundreds and hundreds of years after the events of the original series. That's not entirely clear, but it looks like Liara is still in it. Um, I could do a whole episode on Matt. If I could get a guest who wants to talk about Mass Effect, I would do an entire Mass Effect episode. 
Uh, Saints Row, next up. Saints Row is the dumber version of Grand Theft Auto and also the more fun version. I love it. I've been having a good, the, the reboot that came out this year. Uh, got a lot of hate from people who were mad it wasn't exactly like the old games. I thought it was a blast. Um, I miss sort of the big wild stuff of three and four of the previous iteration, but you, you have to build to, you know, your character actually existing in a virtual world with super with superpowers and playing through parodies of other video games. Uh, love it. Assassin's Creed. Uh, that's another one I skip games occasionally, but all the ones I played I love. Uh, the Batman Arkham series. Arkham, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight. Oh, man, those are terrific. Arkham City, the second one, was the... There was this moment, and that game has its flaws, including the way female characters are treated and spoken of. But it was the first time that a game got across what it must be like to be Batman and not in the, the fun way of, oh, I'm going to wreck 20 dudes. But like you have so many side missions that are popping up and all of them are vitally important. Like you're, you're trying to cure your blood poisoning, but then also the payphone is ringing. And if you don't answer it and run a trace, Mr. Zaz will kill a victim. And also you're trying to track down all this, the, the venom and uh, Hey, the, you know, there's an innocent man's getting beaten in the streets below and there's like 10 things you have to do at once and you have to you have to batman it out it's great uh mega man haven't played that since i don't know how when the last time there was there was a proper mega man game but in high school mega man was very important to me cute little robot who fights other robots uh metal gear solid these games are insane uh, Grand Theft Auto, boy, that is a series I have my misgivings about, but it's so well designed, and uh, when it clicks, it clicks. When it's mean for the sake of being mean, I don't like it, but I am a big fan of 4, which a lot of people don't like because it's the least funny, but their sense of humor is terrible, so I don't mind. Uh, Saints Row, I think, is genuinely funny. Uh, Grand Theft Auto tries to be funny, but isn't. But I, I really like the story in that one. Then for 10, I did Far Cry. I don't know that I've ever played all the way through a Far Cry game, but they're just fun. And sometimes you get that that itch when you need exactly that kind of gameplay, where the, where you power up and you, you... Sometimes you just want to go through those, like, encampments and, uh, you know, really strategy it out. Strategy it out. That's a verb. Uh, so I'm not an expert in Far Cry by any means, but every time I play it, I have fun, and sometimes it's exactly what I need. Um, next up, and this is what I said was going to be hyper-specific. <laughs> Top 10 Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> that's, that, that's what everybody wants to hear, right? Um... So it's, uh, I'll just run through these real quick because maybe only my friend Becky is going to care about these. Um, number one, Blink. Everybody says Blink is their favorite. That's because it's the best one. It's the one with the weeping angels. It's the girl who has this weird message from a strange man on every DVD she owns. Um, it plays with time a lot. The weeping angels are scary. Love it. Um, uh, uh. 
then uh, Dalek, the Christopher Eccleston episode is next. The one that brings back, you know, the Daleks. Um, it's great. It's, it's uh, Christopher Eccleston just being this angry force of nature. And you actually see these moments of the, the doctor potentially being cruel and then finding mercy. And that's the first episode Sam showed me. Um, because it stands pretty well alone if you know the, you know, if you know the basic stuff from just nerd osmosis, you can lean into it right away and it's great. I love it. I say that a lot. Um, Heaven Sent, Hellbent. I'm counting explicit two-parters as a single episode. Um, that is kind of the middle of the Peter Capaldi run. I actually like the first part of that better. That's whenever he's trapped in that that castle and something is pursuing him. It, it's kind of like it follows in the, the logic of that. But uh, uh, the, 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 the first episode is just Peter Capaldi. Um, and occasionally you see this, like this, this shadow. And it's just him being desperate and scared and trying to figure out a puzzle. And the solution of it is is holy smokes it's so good uh day of the doctor that's the 50th anniversary episode with david tennant and matt smith it's probably too easy to include that one but i like i love those guys it's fun bring it on uh two-parter the impossible astronaut day of the moon that's the one where the doctor is killed by an astronaut at the beginning and then you have to work backward to how did it have how did it get there uh, it also has Richard Nixon bringing in the Doctor to solve a problem and introduces the silence, the aliens that uh, you can only remember if you're looking at them, which is scary. Um, and then the time of the Doctor, that's Matt Smith's last episode, the Christmas special where he faces all his enemies and spends 800 years protecting a town called Christmas. Uh, then two-parter, Silence of the Library, Forest of the Dead. That is David Tennant again. Uh, it's the one where he's trapped. It's the one that introduces River Song. It's good. You'll cry. Uh, Human Nature, The Family of Blood. That's a another two-parter with David Tennant. It's the one where he has to forget himself in order to survive uh, this family of the family of blood that will pursue him to the end of time, and he just lives as a person for a while, and. It's really good. It's another one that makes me cry. Okay, then next we have another Matt Smith episode, The Wedding of River Song, which is actually sort of the end of a an extended storyline that deals with all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, um, there's a lot to... There's, it's way too much to explain. And finally, uh, World Enough and Time slash The Doctor Falls, the end of Peter Capaldi's run. Uh, Peter Capaldi might be my favorite. He gets a lot of guff, but he did a tremendous job. And this uh, is such a good two-parter with the, the Cybermen and this <laughs> ship so big that it's basically a world with different ecosystems and uh, the, the, the Doctor is doing his best to help the innocent people get to safety and... and it's so he has such a great monologue that you know what you want to make me cry put a monologue in doctor who's mouth it'll get me yes i know it's the doctor it doesn't matter
if, if, you know, if I run away today, good people will die. If I stand and fight, some of them might live. Maybe not many, maybe not for long. You know, maybe there's no point in any of this, but it's the best I can do, so I'm going to do it. And I will stand here doing it till it kills me. And he delivers that better than I did, but I, I love to think about that. Um, next up, Batman villains who have not been in movies. Uh, that takes away a bunch of them already. Uh, obviously, Professor Pig is number one. He is a man who wears a pig head. Uh, in the comics, he is obsessed with perfection and mutilates people to make them perfect. On the on the TV show Gotham, he was a straight-up cannibal, and he did a musical number. <laughs> I love him. Uh, Clayface, shape changer made of mud. That guy's going to be in a movie someday. He's big and crazy. Uh, Killer Croc, an alligator man who lives in the sewers. Another one. He's, he seems like he's a he's he's a lock for a movie. He's creepy. You could do kind of a horror thing with him, or just do a big. I guess he was in Suicide Squad, so I forgot that he has been in a movie. But I don't consider that a Batman movie, so he's staying on the list. It's my list. Shut up. Uh, Doctor Hurt. Doctor Hurt would take way too long to explain. He's the guy who looks exactly like Bruce Wayne's father, uh, and he's. He's, he was made by the, the hole that was created when Darkseid fell backwards through time. He is the absence of things. Uh, it's one of my favorite Batman stories ever. It's weird. Uh, man Bat, he's, he's a giant bat. He's a man who turns into a bat. He's the opposite of Batman. Firefly, almost in a movie. He was in the Batgirl movie that got canceled and deleted. Uh, he's a pyromaniac with wings. That's pretty rad. That'd be good in a movie. Uh, the Court of Owls, they are the secret elite who run Gotham. Uh, they did a little bit with them on Gotham. They're on the show Gotham. It's weird when I say use Gotham in two different contexts in one sentence. Uh, Lady Shiva, the greatest martial artist in the DC universe. Uh, the Ventriloquist, he's a guy who speaks through a puppet. He's great. He's one of those villains who seems like he was probably around since the 60s, but he's actually from the mid-80s. Like... You'd think, oh, he was probably on the Adam West show. No, he's created in like 86. And finally, Lord Deathman. <laughs> ah, there was a, a one-time only villain uh, in, the, in the 60s called Deathman who looked like a skeleton. And he was quickly forgotten. But there, over in Japan, there was manga based on Batman and... They really went in their own direction with it, and he was the main antagonist. He was remade into Lord Deathman, and his power was he couldn't die. And he's very operatic and crazy. And then a few years ago, Grant Morrison's like, hey, let's bring Lord Death that version of Lord Deathman into the mainstream DC universe. And he's so rad. Um, oh, we're, we're going to get meta here. This is a list of my my favorite 100th episodes um and now this is a this was a little tough because most shows don't make a big deal about their uh 100th episodes sometimes because they i mean a lot of my favorite shows don't last that long because in this day and age of you know prestige cable you get 12 episode seasons and maybe six seasons but let's uh, let's just run through. And some of them I looked, 
some of my I, a lot of these will just be my favorite shows that had episodes that happened to be good for 100 uh some of my favorite shows had kind of crummy 100th episodes uh including including doctor who um, but the first time I remember it being a a thing that people talked about was the 100th episode of The Simpsons, uh, Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass Song, which is the one where Bart uh, gets Skinner fired and then tries to help him get his job back. Um, it is... It's, like, not an exceptional episode, but it's from season five when it was just firing on all cylinders and, like, every episode from that era is a classic. Uh, Gotham, frequently referenced before. The final episode is number 100. It's the big, uh, they jump 10 years into the future when Bruce Wayne's grown up and you never see him on camera because he's still obviously a child. But uh, you see just these quick flashes of Batman and see revisits the enemies who bedeviled him as young Bruce Wayne. It's real fun. Uh, Homicide. This one actually stands out. It was, I believe, the sixth season finale, and it wraps up this long story arc uh, where essentially, uh, um, you know, it'd take too long to explain. It's real good. It's maybe the last great episode of Homicide right up until the series finale. Uh, it's Andre Brower's last episode. It's Reed Diamond's last episode. Um, uh, on this show, they learn a lesson that real-life police rarely learn, which is that you... You can't just shoot somebody, no matter uh, shoot an unarmed man, no matter how guilty he is. Um, it's very good. Uh, uh, the comedy Bang Bang, the TV show, the hundredth episode is about uh, Scott Ackerman losing his memory and everybody trying to uh, get it. It's help him get it back. It's a it's like a a parody of flat of clip shows. It's all new clips of memories of Scott. It's good. It's a fun episode. Uh, King of the Hill, 100th episode. Bobby moves into the doghouse after after developing an allergy to the family dog. Not necessarily a standout episode, but King of the Hill pretty much kills it consistently. Uh, Futurama, the mutants are revolting. I only vaguely remember this episode from the Comedy Central run, uh, but it's about Leela's parents and... Uh, Look, I'm not going to not put a, a Futurama episode on here. Uh, the 30 Rock 100th episode was about the 30, the 100th episode of TGS. Uh, this was a really weird episode, and, you know, love 30 Rock in general. Uh, my favorite part of this episode is... Uh, um, dang, who was the, the new cast member when they... They... Uh, uh, like they, you know, they brought in a third person to be on the sketch show, and I want to say his name was Danny. And I should have looked this up, but they brought him in and sort of ignored the fact that there had been Josh on the show before, and they just kind of, he just kind of disappeared. And there's a musical number where, uh, uh, again, I want to say Danny. I know that's wrong. I hate myself. Uh. Uh, where he he merges with Josh and they, <laughs> over the course of a song, 30 Rock continuity changes so Danny was always there <laughs> in Josh's place. 
Yeah, Danny. Cheyenne Jack. Yes, okay. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It's a you rarely have a a, a retcon a blatant retcon like that on a on a sitcom and especially not one that they specifically address in song. Uh community basic crisis room decorum. It's a 6th season episode. It's the one where th- where they're at war with a with a rival community college and uh we find out Greendale gave a diploma to a dog. The office company picnic. You remember the company picnic episode? It's lots of fun. They wear sumo suits. Uh, and then lost the variable. It would take way too long to explain. Um, but for those of you lost heads, it's the flashback episode about Faraday. Um, and it's from season five, which is kind of the oops all bangers season. Um, I did these in a weird order. Next up, my top 10 James Bond movies. And obviously at the top are the two perfect movies, GoldenEye and Casino Royale. Uh, and now I want to emphasize these are my favorite Bond movies. I am not not suggesting they're the best because there are some that are kind of bad on this list. Um, not number three, The Spy Who Loved Me, the best Roger Moore movie. Uh, also, For Your Eyes Only, another Roger Moore one that probably the one I that went up the most in my estimation from the recent rewatch. Uh, no Time to Die, Daniel Craig's final movie. Uh, you Only Live Twice, the only Sean Connery I'd put on this list. Yes, From Russia With Love is a better movie. I'm never going to put that one on for fun. You Only Live Twice is nuts. It's the movie that the first Austin Powers is parodying with the volcano base and all the all the accoutre, accoutrement. Uh, and it's got James Bond faking his own death. Uh, it's got outer space. Um, it's... Sadly, the most racist of the Sean Connery Bond movies, which is a high bar to clear. But if you overlook that, it's it's crazy fun. Um, Skyfall. That's one I didn't like it as much on this recent rewatch, but I think that's maybe because I've, I've seen it too often. It's the 50th anniversary Bond movie with, with Daniel Craig. It's uh, with uh, Javier Bardem as the villain. Judi Dench dies. Spoiler, I guess. Uh, now here we're getting into controversial. Die Another Day, Pierce Brosnan's last movie. It is not good. I love it though. It is over the top fun. Um, it's got crazy a guy using technology to completely rebuild his appearance and uh, uh, a fortress made of ice and a car that turns invisible. And but it's also got some like brutal moments that sort of like it's sort of a bridge between old bond and new and like you see them kind of leaning in the daniel craig direction uh with 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 some darker stuff again it is it is i understand you think i'm crazy i would i it's fun to watch though uh the living daylights timothy dalton's first movie which I was kind of lukewarm on when I watched it recently, but it's been sitting in my brain and there's a lot of fun stuff in it, uh, including maybe my favorite Faceless Army versus Faceless Army uh, battle in the whole series. And also his fight with Joe Don Baker is real good. And another one that I know is not good, Roger Moore's last movie, A View to a Kill. This one is is genuinely kind of bad, but it's so fun. You got Grace Jones, uh, Christopher Walken, uh, um, there is a 
escape blimp. Uh, Bond and Max Zorn have a fight, an axe fight on top of the Golden Gate Bridge. Pierce Brosnan is extremely old. Love it. Uh, oh, my 10 favorite podcasts. Uh, these are all going to be comedy podcasts because that's mostly what I listen to. Uh, comedy Bang Bang, the first podcast I ever listened to. Still the best. Uh, Hollywood Handbook, My Brother, My Brother and Me, Flophouse, Blank Check, Judge John Hodgman, Jordan Jesse Go, Scott Hasn't Seen, the movie that explore, the podcast that explores the movie blind spots of deranged human being Scott Ackerman, uh, Doughboys and The Adventure Zone, which has been on a real kick lately. Um, I kind of blasted through those because as I as I listed them, I realized well, there's a lot of dudes. I I certainly listen to to many podcasts hosted by hosted or co-hosted by women and there are some that were they currently in production would have made the top 10 uh womp it up uh with special guest uh the big ones possibly andrea savage's show that i really liked but i'm starting i i need to i need to mix it up a little and i think part of it is i think when women do a podcast they are more likely to have a premise and a lot of times it's a premise I'm not on board with, which, you know, nothing against do the show you like. But you can tell from what's on my list, I tend to lean more into the just dicking around. And I would I would like that. I guess that's kind of what I want. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, some really, really funny women do po podcasts about uh, about true crime or TV recaps. And I'm not, that, that's not, I don't know if you have any good com, uh, uh, women led comedy podcasts, let me know. Uh, I really like the Jackie and Lori show, but it's so explicitly about the business of stand up that given my own <laughs> struggles with my place in comedy, I have had to stop listening to because it gives me, it both depresses me and gives me like this, feeling that maybe I should do stand-up more, and I kind of don't... It, it's, it's a, my head's a snake pit, man. Uh, top 10 TV shows I want to cover on Fed Talks. You know, for our monthly episodes where uh, I talk about short-lived TV shows with the people who love them. Uh, now, before I get into the list, I will say my next three episodes are set, and there are three shows that would have been on this list, and there is one show that somebody has put a marker on that we will cover at some point. And other people have asked, have asked about it. So that's not on the list either. These are the unspoken for shows that I would like to cover. Uh, the Prisoner, which I have never actually watched. And I think that would give me a good excuse. But people who are really into The Prisoner are really into The Prisoner. So... Uh, I almost want to watch that with somebody who hasn't seen it before and talk about it because it seems very up my alley. Uh, Perpetual Grace Limited, Stephen Conrad's follow-up to Patriot. It, why isn't Patriot on this list? Hmm, maybe it's one of the ones I'm talking about next. Not next, next, but in the near future, hopefully. Uh, the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., the sci-fi comedy western with Bruce Campbell from... Uh, that we used to be paired with the X-Files. 
Love that show. It's kind of hard to get now. And this one season is also 27 hour episodes. So that's a big ask for anybody. Uh, get a Life, Chris Elliott's uh, uh, seminal sitcom. I love it. It probably did more to shape my sense of humor than anything but The Simpsons. Uh, John Glazer loves gear. I just want to talk about John Glazer. Um, I would also accept Neon Joe Werewolf Hunter, which was also a two-season show, but I, I, I love gear a little more. Uh, Happy, the another two-season show with Chris Maloney and the voice of Pat Oswalt as, and as a as a little girl's imaginary friend who pairs up with a, a disgraced former cop turned thug. Uh, created by Grant Morrison, the TV show is adapted by the aforementioned Brian Taylor of Crank, and it is it is absolutely wild. And the the episodes that are specifically written by Grant and directed by Taylor are truly works of deranged beauty. Um, Undeclared, uh, I expect Mindy will do that one at some point. That's so many careers launch out of that show. Uh, Detroiters. Tim Robinson, Sam Richardson. Who doesn't want to talk about those guys? And uh, uh, I think I, I... Did I say vice principals? I think I talked over that one. Um, I have both vice principals and Fleabag on here, and both of those were intentionally two seasons, so they're not canceled, but they still fit in... I would still consider them eligible for inclusion, and they both allow a way to talk about a lot of cool people and ideas and how wild Walton Goggins' wardrobe is in Vice Principles. Uh, now, this is the, the premise that uh, uh, my friend Becky pitched for the 100th episode, and I'm, I'm going to devote an episode to it, but it's going to take some research. But she thought uh, actors who also have musical careers would be fun. And I made a list of the top 10 actors with that with surprising musical careers. Um, you know, like, uh, uh, everybody knows Keanu Reeves has a band and Kevin Bacon has a band. These are the people who it's, a, it's a little more surprising. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, who did an album of Tom Waits covers that is truly awful. She has since apologized for it. Um, Russell Crowe, who everybody sort of knows is in a band, but it's always surprising when you remember it. 30-odd foot of grunt. Uh, you know, like you, you think Jared Leto and you go, oh, yeah, he's in a band. That makes sense. You go, Russell Crowe? Really? Uh, Alison Brie was in a cover band with a couple of other actresses called The Girls. And they were still playing shows in like 2010 when she was on two TV shows. Uh, she's a very good singer. She sings in her most recent movie, uh, uh, Somebody I Used to Know, which I will probably also talk about next week. Uh, Archer and Bob's Burgers star John Benjamin did a jazz piano album. He does not like jazz and does not know how to play piano. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. did an album in 2004 called The Futurist, which sounds like research for playing Tony Stark. Uh, Ricky Gervais was in a new wave band before he returned to comedy. <laughs> uh, Michael Shannon has a couple of albums, uh, and that's surprising because he does not seem like a man with a melodious voice. Uh, Hugh Laurie has released two blues albums, which, look, he's already kind of made his name pretending to be American. 
you can't be British and do blues. That's wild. Uh, Brie Larson, before she was an actress, she tried to become a, a, a pop musician. Her debut album sold 3,500 copies and was largely promoted on MySpace. Uh, and then Jackie Chan. <laughs> I can't think of anything funnier than Jackie Chan singing. Um, okay, we're almost done. These are my top 10 Star Wars robots. <laughs> uh, uh, obviously, R2-D2 is number one. And you know what? BB-8 is number two. Uh, followed by C-3PO, who when I was a kid was my favorite character. And uh, I don't know. I've, I've, I like the little guys you can't understand better now. Uh, Lola from uh, uh, the Kenobi series, Young Princess Leia's little little floating robot, is super cute. Uh, L337, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character from Solo. Uh, she was very funny. BD1 from the Jedi Fallen Order video game. He's this funny little guy that follows your character around and uh, you use him for mapping and... Uh, you know, he solves, he can help solve puzzles. And so he's super cute. I love him. IG 11, uh, not the one from Empire Strikes Back. That's IG 88, that big, dumb stick looking robot. IG 11 is the same model. Uh, and he's the one in the Mandalorian. And I picked him because he actually has a personality and does things and has, and has dialogue as opposed to IG 88, who never moves on screen. Uh, K2SO, the big robot from uh, Rogue One, and who also shows up in a malevolent version in Andor. He's really funny. It's sad when he gets blown up. Spoiler. Uh, B2EMO, also from Andor. Uh, it's his, his old family robot, that dumb-looking little guy, a little squat red thing, who I think is going to be, I think his personality will end up as K2SO ultimately. Uh, that's just my pick because it'd be weird to have a robot he's kind of bonded with and then have a different ro I don't know. That's just that's just my pitch. And my last one is 8D8 who I cannot remember what he looks like and he was in the Book of Boba Fett which is a book I closed after two episodes but he was in one of the episodes I saw and he's voiced by Matt Berry of uh what We Do in the Shadows and Year of the Rabbit and Toast of London. Just the best guy and his voice coming out of a robot is tremendous. And now to wrap up my top 10 top 10s. Top 10 Funko Pops I have at work. I don't even think of myself as a, as a, as a Funko guy. You know, those little plastic figures with the big heads and sort of the minimalist faces. Uh, but somebody gave me a Batman and a Doctor Who once and then I branched out and got different Batman and I got all of the different Doctors that I like and then like sometimes they'll they'll do a series based on a show where it's like really? they There's a line of BoJack Horseman Funkos? So then I'll, I'll get them and sometimes I get obscure DC characters and so it's, it's turned into me having a few so uh, here are my favorites. 
These are all on my desk at work. Uh, Hellboy. The Hellboy one, he's, 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 they're all super cute. That goes without saying. I love Hellboy. I love him in little tiny form. Uh, Batman, but specifically the one from Batman the Animated Series, because they actually did their best to approximate that style. So he's a little, little more svelte. Um, and also, Funkos don't usually have mouths, but this Batman has a little frown on his face. <laughs> he looks so mad. It's, it's super cute. Uh, Plastic Man. I just love Plastic Man. This one's all twisty, and so hey, Plastic Man's the best. Put him in a movie. Uh, Deckard Shaw, Jason Statham's character from uh, the Fast and the Furious series. Um, obviously, I wish they had made him as Chev Chelios from Crank, but they didn't, so this is as close as I can get. Uh, so it's, it's still recognizably Jason Statham, but he's in like a tactical outfit with a gun and not... Uh, you know, a Dan Flash's shirt like Chev Chelios would wear. But we take what we can get. Uh, the two-pack of Zoya the Destroyer and Liberty Bell from Glow. Uh, uh, you know, the two main characters in their wrestling outfits. Uh, I love Glow. This is pretty much the only merch they made for it, and I'm, I'm very happy to have them. Uh, I should... I should note... Uh, I have I have three Funko Pops of Allison Brie because I also have her from Community and her character from BoJack Horseman. So she edges out Christopher Eccleston, who I have from Doctor Who and The Leftovers. Uh, I can't think of anybody else I have multiples of, but if they make more Jason Stathams, I'll get them. Uh, James Bond, specifically the Pierce Brosnan one, because Pierce Brosnan is the guy who looks most like James Bond when you see him. As soon as you see him in a tux, you go, oh, that guy's James Bond. He's got it. I have a couple of the other Bonds. Uh, they kind of rotate in and out. Uh, but Brosnan, Brosnan's my guy, man. Uh, the Tick from the Amazon show. Uh, you may wonder why uh, uh, that two-season show wasn't on my list of shows I want to cover. Hmm, maybe it's scheduled. Uh, Werner Herzog. Uh, specifically in his character from The Mandalorian, who I don't even think had a name. And I only got him because it's the only Werner Herzog Funko Pop. Um, I'm going to count these as, as one. Troy and Abed from Community. And I'm counting them together because they are... The Community Funkos are weird because some of them are in uh, like in very specific episode outfits. Like like Chang is in from the first paintball episode. And uh, uh, some of the others are just sort of generic... But uh, uh, Troy and Abed are in when they did their their fake morning show. Troy and Abed in the morning, they're both in those sweaters and holding the mug, and they're very cute together. And then finally, Patty Levin from The Leftovers because she looks mad and she is holding up a a little sign that says "Your pain doesn't matter," uh, which is such a weird way to evoke the guilty remnant. But it's it's very funny. And it's weird that there are leftovers Funkos and somehow Nora Durst didn't make the cutoff. Yeah, what the hell, right? Um, okay, that is my top 10 top 10s. This was, this was what I set out to do with my 100th episode. It seems like a, a, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I should have done more, but 
that's where we are. And that brings us to the franchise report. In honor of the 100th episode, and also this is just how the schedule worked, I have started watching two new franchises. First, Alien. Um, just to, I've seen all the Alien movies. Many of them I've only seen once. Uh, Alien 3 was the first R-rated movie I snuck into. Uh, I'll talk about that when I get to it. Um, and my feelings about them are all over the map. I probably haven't seen the first one, Alien, in 25 years. Like, I, I, I liked it. I'm just not one of those guys who that's their main thing is, is this franchise. And uh, here's the thing. It's great. It is a, it's a great movie. It is incredibly slow. It takes forever before anything happens, but it's the atmosphere is so good. Uh, and some of it is completely nonsensical. Like, why are there wet chains hanging in a, the basement of a spaceship? <laughs> Who knows? What are those chains there for? And why are they wet? Uh, but uh, Ridley Scott knows how to create an atmosphere, man. And the the cool thing watching it now is, for one thing, I, I know all these actors now when I maybe didn't when I would have seen it 25 years ago. Uh, you know, uh, uh, John Hurt and and uh, Harry Dean Stanton and, and Tom Skerritt and Yafet Koto and Ian Holm and... Here's the, the thing is, uh, I guess unless you notice it in the credits, you don't have any way to know that uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver's Ripley is is the hero of the movie. She is part of a crew of people, and she does not necessarily distinguish herself early on. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, Veronica Cartwright is also in it. So the fact that there there are two women makes her seem less singular, and I think you could almost go, you could almost make a case for any of them being the being the main character uh, for quite a while. Like Tom Skerritt is the most traditional leading man type, and uh, you know Harry Dean Stanton's the kind of of dirtbag who quite often survives these these things. Uh, Yafet Kodo is the only person who isn't white. Uh, you know, sometimes being being unique will often get you killed first or surviving to the end, and in this case, it's neither. Um, you know, there's obviously Sigourney Weaver is first in the credits, but just just watching the movie itself, you're going to be in it a while before it's like, oh, this is her this is her story. I loved it. Uh, it holds up really well. Um. It's nothing I'm going to rush to watch again. I mean, I'm sure I'll see it again. It's just not anytime see It's not necessarily a fun watch. Like, ha, ah, that was a blast. Can't wait to see it again. It, but it's it's good. It's good and it's scary. And that alien still works, man. Um, also, she saves the cat. So good job. Uh, Sigourney Weaver's great. Uh, so thumbs up on Alien so far. Then, I'm watching Police Academy, guys. Seven Police Academy movies. 
my history with Police Academy, I remember two and three being like slumber party mainstays. And I saw five in the theaters with my friends when I was a child. Maybe an early teen. I don't remember when it came out. We'll find out when I get to Police Academy 5 Assignment Miami Beach. I had never seen the first one. The first one was rated R, so that was off the table uh, at sleepovers. Uh, and I had friends who saw them, obviously. You know, they always, you know, my R-rated movies were not an option for me. My parents were a little strict in that regard. And uh, so I'd never seen it. And I was of the impression that it was like like an out-and-out -out sex comedy. And it really isn't. There is there is a scene of Steve Gutenberg watching women undress and shower. And it's it's creepy, but you see a little bit of boob, and that's pretty much it. It's you take that out, you'd have a it would have been PG at the time. Take out that twenty seconds. Here's the thing, guys. Police Academy's not good. Like I was expecting sort of to be be horrified by you know terrible politics and uh you know just the general 80s of it all and like yeah women aren't treated great there there's a racial slur in there um which is actually let me just say that it is a it is a weird racial slur uh it is aimed at a black person it's it's bad but it's also not one that anybody says like it seems like a grandparent racial slur like they maybe they want they were chose not to do a current one or one that was more I don't know but it's it's such a such an outdated and it's all a setup for for Bubba Smith to flip a police car um but it it's it, it was a jarring word to hear Partly because you go, oh, you can't say that. And then you also go, when did people say that? <laughs> um, but And I guess also given the state of policing in America, uh, uh, jokes about the, the police academy being willing to take anybody and uh, cops who really love their guns. Uh, not that funny, but also... Not that well executed, so that so as to have been funny then. I mean, honestly, the the kinds of jokes in Police Academy are Michael Winslow makes funny noises, uh, uh, cops use weapons irresponsibly, gay men exist, boobs. Those are the oh, and Bubba Smith is tall. Um, I will say the bright the bright spots. Bubba Smith is very funny. He doesn't have that many lines, but he's just such a funny presence. Uh, you got young Kim Cattrall in here, and um, she's. It's fun to, because I I I feel like I missed out a lot of her '80s stuff, and I only think of her in her sort of modern, like 2000 and up vintage. And it's fun to see young Kim Cattrall, uh, and Michael Winslow. You know what? Yeah, it's dumb that they built seven movies around the fact that this guy can make sound effects with his mouth. But he's 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 legitimately good at it. And he also has the one time the one joke that made me laugh out loud. Like 
uh, Bubba Smith's physical presence did a couple of times because he just stands there being huge and and giving people dirty looks. But when uh, when Steve Gutenberg meets him, he introduces himself as follows: Jones, Larvell Jones, Monsignor Larvell Jones, Monsignor Larvell Jones, M.D. <laughs> <laughs> that actually really made me laugh. And it it pointed to like like you could almost give this guy a Fletch type characterization, but then it's just Steve Gutenberg and and uh Michael Winslow is just there to make noises. And the rest of it's just bad. Uh the jokes don't land. When there are there's they're so half assed. Uh, like I said, the existence of gay people can be a joke. Uh, sometimes the setup for a joke is the joke. And then they actually have some action scenes at the end, and they're they're half-assed. And the the antagonist is never named. He is credited as main villain, which that's really funny, actually. <laughs> and I remember two and three being funny, and maybe I'm going to find out I was dumb. I was also curious because you never hear about police academy anymore it's i remember it being like a thing and i was wondering if if like people younger than me have any familiarity with it so i i tweeted about it and three past guests of the show all of whom are younger than me because so far all of my guests except for sean kenny have been younger than me and sean's so much older than me guys so much older uh and it was kind of what I expected, but it was good to hear. Uh, uh, friends of the show, uh, uh, Lenny was aware of them as a reference. Uh, you know, they, they, they come up on The Simpsons and such and sort of had a loose idea of what they were. Uh, Rachel, who was just on the show, uh, knows of them and a classmate with two older brothers described the plot of one of them to her, which does seem that does seem like an older brother movie and Haley uh has heard of them and the only thing she knew was that there was a guy who does impressions which uh I guess impressions of inanimate objects but so th these things do not have a they did not linger in the cultural memory and I would wager that if the Simpsons if it wasn't a go-to reference on the Simpsons for a couple of years they would be even less so. So these movies disappeared. I don't know why I'm watching them. Uh, but I had so much fun doing the Marvel and Bond rewatches that uh, I now have to suffer for my art. Guys, that's it. That's episode of 100. This one ran very long, and I apologize. Uh, in fact, it ran so long that... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just be very brief when I thank our sponsor, TeasedBySummer.com. 100 episodes of sponsorship. Look at that. The best. Um, T-shirts, mugs, water bottle. It's all great, and all of it makes me happy. You should, you should get something. It's great. Go to TeasedBySummer.com. Get some I Think You Should Leave merchandise. Get an Apive shirt. I'm... Um, you know that that's my website. Uh, she made such a such a great logo for it, and it makes me happy every time I look at it. Pick up a shirt. You can support you can support a, a great designer and a fair to 
and a, a fair to above average website. Uh, Teasedbysummer.com. Thanks. And that's it. Um, you can email the show at fedtalks at yahoo.com. I'm on Twitter at EJ Fettis. I'm on Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis, where I am doing the Daily Daredevil, reading one issue of Daredevil a day and reviewing it. And we are in some we are in some rough waters right now. I was waiting for Stan Lee to leave the book because he seemingly did not care about Daredevil. And I've just hit the part where Roy Thomas replaces him. And Roy Tom oh man, I loved Roy Thomas's work when I was a kid. It I was a fool. Uh it's incredibly melodramatic and the story logic is just out the window and I I am now having a hard time tracking what's going on. My knowledge of history is that his run isn't long, and it, it cannot be short enough. Uh, I'm sorry. I know he's done well other places. I do not like his Daredevil. Uh, but I am reading him one issue a day and writing short reviews, and you can be as frustrated with with the the... The fact that if 52 issues in, there are still two supporting characters who have one emotion each. Um, I'm on TikTok, EJ Fettis. I haven't done one in a while because I, the last two movies I saw were ones I did TikToks about without having seen. So uh, I haven't had a lot of new material, but that'll come back one day. And the Ape Hive, where I am sometimes talking about TV and movies, and sometimes I am doing monthly breakdowns of Daredevil, where I go into a little more depth at the end of each month about what I read and what I expected and how it squares up with what I know of Daredevil. There's a lot of Daredevil in my life right now. Um, he'll be my guest next week. Um, oh, if his Netflix series had run two seasons, we could have a Daredevil episode. But as it is, he'd just have to be, deal with me talking about him for several minutes at the end of every episode. I really do like Daredevil. I'm waiting for this book to get good. Um, so that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with whatever percentage of these hundred episodes you've sat through. I appreciate it. Uh, I know I do. It's I don't have much audience, but I I now have enough that I know I know there are at least a couple of listeners who I don't know personally, which is very exciting. And I can only guess at what you must make of this. Uh, if you only know me from this, uh, fedtalks at yahoo.com, just say hi and I don't know. You don't need to tell me what you think of the show. You just just check in. Tell me what drives you to keep listening to this nonsense. Uh, thanks for everything. Here's to the next hundo. Uh, the Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.